Well, the Carolina football team is undefeated no more. And let's be honest, with the way the defense has played this year, it was only a matter of time. Just how bad is it? And what did we learn from the game against Notre Dame on Saturday? Let's talk about it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, September 26, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Remember, we're free five days a week and the only daily North Carolina show out there, so no reason not to subscribe right now. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, if anyone is new here, thank you so much for tuning in. Here's how we like to unpack our football game recaps here on Locked on Tar Heels. I'll give you some big picture takeaways from the game. We'll look at three plays that really defined things. Three players of the game for one reason or another. Could be Tar Heels, could be Fighting Irish. And I will give you my shady stat of the game as we always do. So big picture stuff. First off, before we get into the game itself, I just want to give us all a big picture reminder of where we're at. Because I know a loss like this can feel devastating because it's like, oh, they really are that bad, the defense, right? And that's that's deflating and it's demoralizing and all that. But hear me, friends. The Tar Heels have a ton to still play for. Everything conference-wise is still ahead of them. Remember, conference play hasn't even started yet for the Tar Heels. Notre Dame is not a conference opponent in football. They're independent. So conference play starts this coming weekend against Virginia Tech, and that's where everything comes together. The Coastal Division appears to be wide open, but here's the kicker. You're out of mulligans now. The final eight games of the regular season are all ACC opponents, right? The front end was front-loaded with non-conference games. And now, all that's left are ACC. So you got to be ready. So this is where you draw a line in the sand. And that line has to start with the defense deciding that they are going to step up. Because, here's the second thing I want to point out today. The dichotomy between the offense and the defense is a chasm the likes of which I don't know that I've ever seen in football. Look at it just statistically where they rank. The offense is 16th nationally in total offense. One of just 16 schools averaging 500 or more yards a game. The Tar Heels are eighth in the nation in points per game offensively. But as good as the offense is, the defense is just as equally bad. There are 126 teams in the FBS, or excuse me, 131 teams in the FBS. Carolina is 126 out of that. The only teams behind them are Nebraska, Bowling Green, Florida International, Ohio, and Charlotte. Yeah. 
Oh, and they're not much better in terms of points allowed per game. 123rd, moving up a whole three slots. That's great. And so I don't care how good your offense is if the defense is that far back. It just, you you can't have that. What a crazy dichotomy again between those two units. Okay, now on to this specific game. If you didn't watch it and you just look at the final score and it's like, oh, 13 point deficit. That's not that bad. It's a close-ish game, two possessions, right? This game was not close to those who watched it. This was a butt whooping that just got randomly close late. And honestly, Notre Dame probably could have named their score and gone higher if they wanted or needed to. But at the same time, even though this was a butt whooping, let's remember, put yourself in the place of watching this game again and and remember the first possession for each team. Things started really positively. Carolina did exactly what they needed to do coming out of the gate, exactly the beginning you need. Carolina got a touchdown on their first possession. They got down to the goal line, fourth down, fourth and goal. Do we go for it? Yes, absolutely. Touchdown who? Josh Downs, who is back from injury. Love to see that. Then right after that, the Tar Heels force a Notre Dame three and out. And in fact, two of those three, you know, plays that didn't get to a first down were balls tipped at the line. One by Noah Taylor, one by Ray Vahasik. And Notre Dame punts, and you're like, man, this is off to a great start. And then Notre Dame's next possession, they drive the ball, but they miss a field goal, and you're feeling kind of good. In fact, the Heels held the Irish scoreless for the first quarter. It's the first time all season they've held an opponent to no points in the first quarter of the game. Yes, oh, but then comes the second quarter, and the Irish reel off 24 points. Yeah. The second highest point total allowed by the Tar Heels in a single quarter thus far this season. I need not remind you of which game and which quarter it was that the Tar Heels allowed the most points this year in a single quarter. We'll just leave that one behind, shall we? And and honestly, it didn't just stop with what happened there in the second quarter. After that three and out and missed field goal to start the game, Notre Dame uncorked a run of six straight possessions in which they scored five of those were touchdowns and it was seven out of eight possessions on which they scored six of those were touchdowns in fact the only one in there in which they didn't score was a turnover on downs which could have just as easily gone the other way had they converted on fourth down not as good at all as you want to see Now, the offense was strong again yesterday, although, again, some of that came late in the game with the game well in hand for Notre Dame, but they they got their points and and their yardage and things like that. But that yardage came in the passing game where Drake May had another 300-yard game, 301 to be exact, and five touchdown passes. Ridiculous. Where Carolina's offense didn't find much of anything yesterday was on the ground. Now, this makes sense because Notre Dame's strongest unit is their defensive front seven. And um, man, they just held the Tar Heel run game in check. How many yards? 66. Now, a lot of that, obviously, you remember always we have to say in college that sack yardage is taken into account off a running back's rushing total. And so that's part of that as well. But this is 66 yards total rushing. After, here are the numbers that Carolina had on the ground in the first three games. 314, 
215, 183, and then 66. So it's going in a downward trend, but obviously the competition has gotten stronger. So I'm really, really curious to see what uh, the ground game will do in the coming weeks, Virginia Tech, and then the rest of the ACC slate. Now, on the other hand, while Carolina's run game was struggling, Notre Dame's ground attack ran wild. Uh, I mean, and honestly, the recipe for a struggling offense right now, just look ahead and have North Carolina on your schedule and, and you're going to have a good game there. But but hear this, Notre Dame came in averaging 18 points a game on the season in their first three games, had scored just 55 points total. Remember, in this single game against North Carolina, they scored 55, just 10 point of how many they had amassed previous this season in three games. I mean, honestly, just a few plays short of doing that. If, if one or two plays had gone differently, they easily hit that 55 point threshold. Oh, and so that rushing game? Yeah, they came in averaging 117.7 yards. You know how many they racked up on the Tar Heels this weekend? 287. That's well over double what they had been averaging on the ground. Not good. Not good. And and you look at the defensive numbers and Power Eccles and Seth Gray, the, the starting linebackers, are leading the team. Both had double-digit tackles. You love that. But, dude, it, front four and these linebackers, and got, get, something has to change. We've got to see that happen immediately. Because here's the truth. This quarterback, Drake May, this offense, it is elite. And it's only going to get better as they get more comfortable with each other, as guys continue to get healthy. Remember yesterday, you had been missing two starting receivers for the past two games, Antoine Green for the entire season thus far, and they come back, both of them yesterday. This offense is not going anywhere. It's going to continue to thrive. It might get held a little more in check from time to time, but they're going to score. But the bottom line is this for the 2022 Tar Heels. They will not be able to consistently win games by just merely outscoring their opponents. So offense, keep doing what you're doing. Keep holding on. And defense, you have to step up. Now, we're going to get into talking about my three plays that I think helped identify this game right after I tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a job post, so why not give it a try? And then add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly figure out who you want to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just that. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so here are my three plays of the game that I think really helped 
uh, with momentum or change the game or just are big things, big picture wise. And interestingly, all three of today's plays are fourth down plays. Number one, we're going to go in chronological order through the game with these, in fact. I thought Mac Brown's decision to go for it on fourth down on Carolina's first drive of the game was really, really big. Carolina uh, gets the ball to start the game. Great reception by J.J. Jones on uh, the first offensive play of the game going up and getting it. Heels eventually get down to the goal line. It's first and goal at the one. Omarion Hampton, first down, stuffed. Second down, loses like three yards. Third down, incomplete pass to Antoine Green. So what are we doing? Are we going to settle for three or are we going to show that we're here to play? Mac Brown goes for it. And wouldn't you know it, JJ, or JJ, Josh Downs straight uh, fresh back out of the oven from being on the shelf with an injury, comes back, picks up the first score of the game. You love to see him connecting back with Drake May. So for me, this why, the reason I picked this is because clearly Mac Brown wants to establish something here at home. We got this big crowd going. We're going up against a nationally known historical entity in Notre Dame, and we want to show that we are here to play and we mean business. Set the tone for the game, and they did just that and welcome Josh Downs back in the process. Love that, and that's why I choose this as my first of my three plays of the game. Obviously, as we know, it ultimately wasn't enough, but it really did help set a tone early that I'm sure as you watched the game, you felt really good about that, right? Right. I know that I did as an observer. Okay. The second play I want to look at, this is early in the third quarter. At this point, Notre Dame is leading 31 to 14. Remember they had scored uh, just before halftime and got the ball back and has just scored a touchdown right after halftime to start the second half. So it's 31-14, a three-possession game, but still doable. You've got, you know, the entire fourth quarter and like 12 minutes left in the third. Carolina gets the ball back, and what happens? Drake May fumbles <laughs> the first offensive play of Carolina's second half. Notre Dame recovers at the Carolina 15. Yikes. And so that defense, the Carolina defense, which is already not doing well, which had just surrendered a touchdown, has to trudge right back out after just one play. And you're not feeling great about this. Notre Dame in the process gets a third and four, gets down to the two yard line. But Carolina holds and we get to another fourth and goal, just like we talked about with the Tar Heels. And Notre Dame decides to go for it. Marcus Freeman's like, let's do it. Let's put the nail in the coffin on this one. Uh, it's a passing play across the middle. Cedric Gray is in position, deflects the ball away. Carolina stands. They're going to get the ball on the goal line. Turnover on downs again. Oh, but wait. There's some yellow laundry on the field. Cedric Gray has been whistled for defensive pass interference. It, was a, it had been seemingly a huge momentum swing in Carolina's favor. Down three possessions. Let's get the ball. Let's drive the field and go score. Unfortunately, it turns into a big momentum swing in Notre Dame's favor because they score on the next play and are now up 38-14. The lid was already on the coffin. This slammed it shut. I mean, goodness gracious, it is where you're feeling. 
Um, but part of the reason I love it is because Mac Brown was irate. You don't see him that way too often, but it, like he was flagged on this play for unsportsmanlike conduct for how he reacted to Cedric Gray being whistled on this play. But again, I choose this not, not because um, of what Mac Brown did there, but just because it's just the momentum swing wild back and forth right there of seeming like Carolina's got the ball in a chance. Oh, no, they do not. And not only that, but Notre Dame scores again. And now at this point, you're down 24 and you're just feeling completely demoralized. It's a four possession. Well, I guess technically that's a three possession game, but you got to get all three uh, of your two point conversions there. And so ultimately, I know it's midway through the third quarter at that point, but you're really feeling like this game is out of reach. But my third play is... Um, the reason of why I want to say that it like it's another fourth down play, but I bring this up because again, the game is out of reach, but I love that Carolina is playing for pride here and doing what they have to do. And, and this one, frankly, is kind of a twofer. I'm kind of cheating on it, but yeah, here we go. So it's late in the third quarter. Uh, Notre Dame goes for it on fourth down, fourth and one. Drew Pine is stuffed. Carolina stuffs Notre Dame's quarterback and gets the ball back. And um, you'll love that. Carolina gets it at their own 25. There's a penalty, I believe it was on Josh Downs. So they actually start at their own 20. First play from scrimmage, boom, 80-yard touchdown to Antoine Green. Again, who is just back from injury, mind you. And so you love to see that that even down like all of these points, the game is out of reach. Carolina is still playing hard. The, these two plays, this fourth down stop, and then the immediate bomb to Antoine Green, um, though that's a huge play at any point in any game. But in this scenario where you're just playing for pride, you could easily just be like, game's over, whatever, fourth down, we're not going to stop them. But Carolina is still playing hard, still getting after it. And, and you just love to see that resolve from this team, especially from a defense that started that, uh, a defense that's been much maligned and uh, comes up with that stop. And then Drake May finds his guy, just like he did with Josh Downs, um, just back from injury with that, that uh, collarbone injury that Antoine Green had suffered. And now he is popping off. And so you love to see him doing that. And so that's why, you know, that play for me was less about um, any momentum in this game or any momentous moment for this game. But I choose it because to me, it shows the desire of this team to keep competing, even when there's no reason to ultimately. I choose this because it's great to see Antoine Greenback. It's great to be reminded to the Carolina fan base, to the coaches, um, to put it on film of what he can do and why it's so important for Carolina to have him back along with Josh Downs and this whole wide receiving core uh, that Drake may has at his disposal. I love it. I love it. I love it. So that is our three plays. Next, we're going to get into the three players I thought were very impactful in this game. And uh, spoiler alert, I've picked a Notre Dame player. It's the first time this season I've picked a player from the other team, but I thought it important to do so in this one. Oh, and we've also got my shady stat of the game, but it's not just limited to this game. You'll have to wait and hear about it in just a second 
after I remind you about our drive for five that's going on. We are a little about, it's like a month and a half away from Carolina's first basketball game of the season. And we are making a push, a drive for 5,000 YouTube subscribers. We're up over that 4,000 mark. We're creeping up close to 4,100 right now. And we are pushing towards that 5,000 subscriber goal by the time of that first game. What I would love to ask from you is, would you take a second to be our next subscriber? If you're watching on YouTube already, just hop down there and hit that little subscribe button. If you're somebody that's listening, I'd love to encourage you to take a second and subscribe on YouTube. I know that you are typically an audio podcast listener. That's me too. I am an audio podcast listener. However, I subscribe to the podcasts I like on YouTube because there's often content that I don't get just by listening. And so that will be true for us here on Locked on Tar Heels sometimes. So please go ahead and subscribe. Thank you so much for helping us on this journey, on this drive for five. And oh, by the way, would you help spread the word as well? Thanks so much for doing so. All right, here are my three people of the game. I'm saying people and not players because you'll find out in a minute. Number one, we just talked about him a second ago, but it's Antoine Green. Um, listen, this guy, um, it, it wasn't as devastating as British Brooks, who was lost for the season before the season, but Antoine Green got hurt in August and you just never know right? That we heard pretty quickly, it seemed like the hope was that he would be back for Notre Dame. And thankfully, it turned out that way. And, and that was exactly what happened. But with injuries, you just don't know, especially, you know, this one is more skeletal rather than muscular. And so it's either you're healed or you're not, right? Uh, it's either the bone is, is healed or it's not healed. And it seems like it was and he was ready to go. So Carolina got him back out on the field. So we just had three catches but they went for 150 yards and two touchdowns, right? So we already talked about that 80-yard bomb he had late in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, late, late, late in the game, I think there was under two minutes left, he caught a 64, 64-yard touchdown pass from Drake May. And so, man, uh, you like that field stretching capability you think think a couple years ago when you've got like Deami Brown stretching the field and what that does for guys underneath man if you've got Antoine Green out there doing that how much more impactful is the work of Josh Downs and Kobe Pesor and the tight ends going to be underneath like let's get this dude stretching the field and then man it's just going to continue to open up for the the shorter receiving guys and uh, the running game and all of that and so boy what a relief it is. And and just on a personal note, you just love to see a young man or a young woman, depending on what sport we're talking about, be able to get back on the field, get back in action after an injury. And not only that, but to have success pretty immediately. Um, sometimes you just wonder, right, when you're coming back from injury, are you going to have to slowly work in? No, sir. 150 yards. Come on. Way to go, Antoine Green. Welcome back. Hope it's the beginning of a lot of great things to happen this season. And when you got Drake May throwing to you, it's probably a safe bet. <laughs> Number two, I already told you I'm picking somebody from the other team for the first time this season. And that is Notre Dame's tight end, Michael Mayer. Um, honestly, his stat line wasn't eye popping yesterday. I mean, it was lower than Antoine Green's in terms of yardage. He had seven catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Um, but half of those yards, literally exactly half, 
were yaks, yards after the catch. He had 88 yards, 44 of them were yards after the catch. He's just such a big dude. Now, if, if you're unaware, Mayer is ranked as by essentially everyone I've seen as the number one tight end in the nation, expected to be, you know, who knows where he'll go off the board next spring, but I would imagine it would be pretty high. You saw the likes of somebody like Kyle Pitts a couple years going to the Falcons real high. And so I'm really interested to see where this guy goes. Um, he's just such a dependable player and receiver. Um, you saw that on multiple third down conversions, unfortunately, where Drew Pine just says, here you go, big fella, go get this first down for us. And he does. Um, he is clearly clearly the number one tight end in the nation for a reason and unfortunately carol carolina was on the wrong side of that on saturday but it's also one of those things where you just recognize it sometimes you know what i mean you're watching somebody that you don't regularly get to watch and just stands out in a big way where you groan uh i remember one time yes uh, not yesterday on saturday where he had a couple big plays in a row and went to the sideline and i just remember breathing a sigh of relief like oh good Tarians don't have to worry about him on this play, but that is a, a total respect thing because he's just that good. But he's one of those guys where you just line up against an opponent and say, that dude is so good. And one day when he's torching NFL defenses, we will be able to say, man, I remember watching that dude in Keenan Stadium. So uh, our third person of this game is not a player. It's Mac Brown. And we already alluded earlier to the moment I want to talk about why I'm choosing Mac Brown as my person of the game. Mac Brown is one of the most kind and congenial and warm people uh, I've ever seen and encounter like just lovely, lovely human being. But the way of how incensed he was after that Cedric Gray defensive pass interference call in the end zone, uh, the fact that Mac Brown got a unsportsmanlike penalty called on of course it didn't really matter because it's a uh, like half the distance to the goal from the one right but uh this dude wants it so bad uh you know i i was uh at church this weekend and i a couple of people asked me like how, how much longer does matt have you know like those kind of questions this that moment proved to me on Saturday, Mac Brown is nowhere near done. This dude has the fire in his belly and he wants to see this team succeed so, so strongly. And he's going to continue fighting to do everything. The offense is going great. Let's make it better. Defense not performing well right now. What do we have to do to make it better? Mac Brown clearly wants to see all of those things happening. And I think that's part of why he got so upset about this specific situation. Because his team had just made a huge stop after getting put in an impossible situation. Remember, after May's fumble, Notre Dame got the ball on the 15-yard line. And Carolina, they stopped them. Let's be honest about that. Uh, to me, with the way defensive pass interference is usually called, this was not that. Now, could it have been flagged? Sure. Weird things get flagged all the time. I do not believe this should have been flagged. Clearly, Mac Brown doesn't either but the way he's out there fighting and kicking and clawing for his team i love it and like as a player you want to rally around that so mac brown is my third person of this game okay folks it's time to wrap it up with our shady stat of the game got my sunglasses 
But you know what? Because of how Carolina played, we got to go with my uh, my daughter's little little pink glasses. You see these bad boys? If you're if you're listening and not watching, it's better for you because these things are hideous. But here we go. My shady stat of the game is actually a, a shady stat of the Drake May's beginning to his season. Do you know that Drake May is tied for the most passing touchdowns? In all of FBS, he's got 16 and he's tied with two other guys for the most passing touchdowns in the entire land through four games. And I don't know for a while, Carolina had played one more game than everybody else. Not anymore because of that off week. Everyone's caught back up now. Drake May's tied. You love that. Oh, and by the way, he's also 10th in total passing yards in the nation, but third among power five schools, third among power five schools. Schools in total passing yards for Drake May. That, friends, is impressive. And that is my shady stat of the game or of the beginning of the non-conference part of the season for Drake May. Love it and can't wait to see how he continues to perform as the Tar Heels get into conference play. And we'll get to that later in the week. We will preview the Virginia Tech game. Uh, Zayden High has an official visit during live action with Hubert Davis on Friday. So we got to prep for him. We're going to prepare for live action. We're going to talk about that. Pat Kilby and I will do that some on Wednesday as well. Really appreciate you spending part of your Monday hanging out with me, recapping this game. Even though it's a disappointing loss, there's a lot to be learned, a lot of questions that are answered, and a lot more growth that needs to still happen. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade on all the social media platforms. Also, get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Once again, I really appreciate you hanging out with me today. It's been great to be together to talk to our heels, even on a sad day. It's just good to be able to unpack it and talk it through. I hope it is cathartic for you as it is for me. And I want to remind you that even after a loss, it's always... A great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace!